Welcome to Drawing the Line with Parker and Nate, episode eight. Question mark. Wow, that kind of that rhyme. Parker and Nate, episode eight, man. Great, you've figured out like three hundred people in this world that Nate rhymes with eight. Wow. Also rhymes with great, so don't remind me of that terrible book series. Oh my God, Nate the Great, dude. So today we're going to be talking about Antifa, totally not just a bunch of degens. China, the Hong Kong protests of social media. And what the secret life of pets, too, can teach us about depression and anxiety. And of course, at the end of all of this, we will get to what everybody is waiting for, our pop culture takes. Super, so without further super, super ado, fun pop culture. we're going we're gonna to dive straight into it. Wait, how did you end the intro? We're going to dive right into it. Okay, cool. I didn't know if you asked a question or something, and then you're going to answer your own question. Because <laughs> that'd be really funny. That'd be really funny. What do we got today? What do we got well, today, Nate? Nate? <laughs> oh, well, let me tell you, Nate. Oh, God. All right. Go. Go. So over the weekend, we had, again, massive Antifa. And I think on the other side, we're usually classified as kind of like miscellaneous white ring, right wing groups. And usually like the Proud Boys and um, other right wing groups. I'm not, I'm not totally familiar with all of them. And it happened again in Portland, and as many of you remember, Portland is a bastion of liberal thought, and thus a kind of an, an easy, an easy target if you're willing to stir up trouble. So, according to CNN, and this was on Saturday, at least three people were arrested in Portland, Oregon, on Saturday, according to the Portland police. As a left-wing anti-fascist demonstration gathered to counter-protest a rally by the far right and extremist group, I like how they. I think that's really nice how they put extremist group with the far right, but I mean, no, the anti-fascists—they're just there. They're just counter-protesters. Yeah, let me just—I'm just gonna completely, completely ignore ignore that and keep moving on. Yeah, they're not extremists. No, Come no, on. not at all. It was unclear which groups um, the arrested or persons were affiliated with. I think the Portland police isn't coming going to come out with their political affiliations, and I'm. Totally fine with that. I really don't. I really don't care. People who are arrested for... A crime's a crime, dude. A cri- you're right. Your crime's a crime. doesn't matter which side of the aisle that you that you sit on. So this all prompted the um, Kool-Aid man himself, except he's not red, he's orange, and he kicks down, would it be the fourth wall? Isn't that what they use in movies? They break the fourth wall? Yeah. Yeah. Well, something like that. I don't that. know where you're going with this. Trump but all tweets right. out. It's Trump. He's yellow. He's in the he's in the court. Okay, right, I'll whatever. give it to you. you I know, thought it was pretty good. Hey, I was take proud it of and myself. run. Take it and run. Trump tweets out. Consideration is being taken is being given to declaring Antifa the gutless radical left wing jobs who go around hitting only non fighters, people over the heads with baseball bats, a major a mayor, um, a major organization of terror along with MS thirteen and others would make it easier for police to do their job. And this started kind of a cascading effect because, of course, when Donald Trump says something, it must be wrong. It has to be wrong. It, it has to be wrong. We can assume. We can assume that it, it must be wrong. So we started with this, with this trending tweet on Twitter, which is, I am Antifa, right? And so oh, no. just like when protests be like, I am Eric Gardner, um, I am. Oh, it's just like a hashtag. Yeah, I am like France, like I stand with, right? It's uh, it's something like that. So that started trending on, on Twitter as a response to this, 
And this is this is great. One of the German users Twitter um, tweeted, "I am Antifa," in the in the German. I, don't, I can't I can't read the German. I'm not going to try and read German. I am Antifa because my grandfather fought the fascists after they nearly wiped out in our entire family. Another German citizen tweeted, I am Antifa because history teaches us how fragile democracy and the rule of law are given right wing extremist power. Let's, I mean, let's, all right, so first off, hold before I get into kind of my rant. Let's, let's not forget that Nazism actually stands for National Socialist Party, but we're just going to, let's just gloss over that. Yeah, that doesn't, no. yeah, of course no. not. Of course not. So CNN writes, Antifa, whose name is short for anti-fascist, have become increasingly visible since the Charlottesville protests in 2017, when white nationalists rallied against the removal of General Robert E. Lee's statue and the Antifa mounted a counter-demonstration that turned violent. So I think it's sad from a historical uh, standpoint because there seems to actually be a lack of understanding of historical texts. Which is really telling, especially when you start to hear some German citizens talk about this. Yeah. And all that I could think of when I started reading these was Obi-Wan Kenobi, like, yelling at Luke Skywalker. Um, what was it? Like, you were Anakin, you were Anakin, Anakin Skywalker. You were Gosh. supposed to destroy the Sith, not you go out and join. You were the one. chosen one. And I feel like it's now become, you were supposed to be the anti-fascist, not go out and join them. Um, it's it's definitely turned to be that way. I mean, they've become the one thing that they've sought to destroy. And I'm not I'm not about to get up here and say that the right wing right wing protests are all in the in the glory, and they're just obviously uh, the right ones. Like, sounds like there's a wrongdoing on both sides. There's a wrongdoing on both sides. But let's be I mean let's be clear about what Antifa is. It seeks a political goal through violence. That's what Antifa is. Fight, and fight fascism with, with uh, bats, essentially. With, with violence, yeah. Yes. So become the become the one thing that you you swore to destroy, but of course, when you're on the left, no, that's not right. You, you that's not possible. It's not possible. It says it, Parker. It says it in the name. How can you get this confused? How can you get it confused? They're obviously anti-fascist, Parker. It's in the name. I guess you're right. It's now, it's now in that the I name. think about it. Now that I understand the full name, because you know. I, I can't understand, you know, acronyms or anything like that. No, no, it's not just you had you just have to take it at face value and and not if, dig deeper and realize No, what and if doing. you yeah. if you read into it, you're not taking their point seriously. And you must be a right winger. You must be a white nationalist. <laughs> is what it sounds like. It's what AOC would you're probably You're trying to tell evaluate you. stuff. Yeah, you're just you're gross and we don't I mean, want you. We should take at face value what the North Koreans what the North Koreans say. I mean, it is the what is the what is the acronym for North Korea? Is it it's um it's the people's it's the people's. Oh, re- it's like the yeah, I know what you're talking about. Hold on, I, I need to I need to. It's gonna bug me if I don't if I don't. Here, look look that up while I keep. What's the, what's the acronym? Um, God, I I I'm drawing I'm drawing a blank and I'm actually kind of really, really disappointed in myself because I used to I used to study this this stuff a lot the Democratic People's Republic of North of Korea right so it's the democratic that wow democracy Yay. democracy yeah that's that's that when I think of North Korea and Kim Jong yes Kim Jong Un yep I think of democracy I mean clearly of course and, and I people's think Republic. And the people's it's, it's the people people man it's for, it's the, for people. the people starvation for the people that's right that's exact that's exactly right so 
it's no, really you got a point and i i think i what i think what bugs me the most is like yeah how you talked about like those those two two germans like putting out those tweets and stuff like that and especially the first one the first one where he was like i am antifa right because my family because my grandfather fascists. fought the fascists after they nearly wiped out our entire family I mean, you did make a good point that the Nazis were actually a socialist party. But I see where you can get it mixed up. But at the same time, don't join sides with them because, okay, the right right wing is not not Nazis. They're doing – they're doing – all right, these sides are both not Nazis. I mean, I'm not going to call – I'm not calling Antifa Nazis and I'm not calling the right wing Nazis. No one's a Nazi. Yeah, But, but the problem is is when you start relating one side to it, right? Right, and I think that is – it's a, obviously a sweeping generalization. You shouldn't be doing that. But that being said, Hitler's guiding force in Germany for political pretty much domination was – he had the – the I think it was the black shirts. Mao had the um, – oh, God, man, my history Dude, is you're not, just not on it I know, today, I know. I'm really – I'm going to beat my – I'm really going to – I'm going to beat myself up about this. Mao had – he had the Red Guard. The Red Guard. That's there we right, go. The, the Red, Red Guard. guard. Oh, yeah, you God. got it. And what did Stalin? I can't. Oh, you you, I'm you really, just need to stop. You I need, need to, to stop trying to remember stuff. I need to and you quit just need, yeah, you while need. I'm behind, <laughs> apparently. God, I can't believe I can't believe I'm blanking on this. But yes, we we see what you mean. Like using using violence to gain like political political stature, political right? goals, and that's I mean the basic definition of that is actually terrorism. So I don't really have too much of an issue if we're going to start classifying some of these groups as terrorists both right and left both right and left if you're going to go out there and you're going to seek a political goal and you're going to beat people up that's beat civilians not okay that's that's clearly not okay and to defend it well the problem is is like yeah all these people are defending it like and i'm i'm assuming the people defending it and like making the i am antifa thing don't aren't reading into it and just kind of going with the flow well they just view the other side as the enemy and whatever it does to crush the enemy is fine yeah right and there's no self-reflection to say that to say hold on we might we might be becoming the one thing we sought to destroy so over at usa today proud boys organizer so actually it turned out that about 13 people as when the weekend was over 13 people were arrested Wow. And Proud Boys or protest organizer Joe Briggs said his group sought national attention and they got it, which they which they did. I mean, they they clearly did. Sure. He, yeah. he noted President Donald Trump's tweets as as the protest unfolded. Trump tweeted that Portland was being watched very quote closely end quote, and that the government was considering a plan to name Antifa a terrorist organization, a designation normally reserved for foreign organizations. The idea is not new. Senator Ted Cruz of Texas last month co-sponsored a Senate resolution that would designate groups and organizations who act under the banner of Antifa, end quote, to be designated as a domestic terror organization. And Briggs says, look at President Trump's Twitter. We, he talked about Portland, and he said he's watching Antifa, and that's all we wanted. We wanted national attention, and we got it. Mission success. And I'd actually agree with them. If their ultimate goal was to go out there and provoke Antifa into showing their true colors, mm-hmm. yeah, they got it. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah. Because the internet was then swamped with people getting knocked unconscious, beaten with bats, 
the to see the footage can see what's going on of to see the footage of the past antifa protests in portland not antifa protests but the kind of the clash between the right and the left i mean them sending this reporter to the hospital them beating an old man with a crowbar i yeah they they got their goal i mean and i think and i'm sure actually that the proud boys and this joe briggs will will be doing it again Mm -hmm. i mean it really they will be doing again because it dominates the news cycle yeah if it's a way to you know put them on the news and you know like you said show their true colors then that's what they're that's what they're gonna get so it's a dirty strategy but it'll work no it is and i don't and i don't condone going out there and provoking violence i don't think that you should be you should be doing that but that but when i it's it's difficult because when things are getting ignored and there's obviously a bias in how we cover certain events it's 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 almost a, a slippery Some, slope. Yeah, sometimes right? you have to stoop down to that level, which sucks. Sometimes it takes a breaking point, um, unfortunately, but that seems to be the crux of human human history. Yeah, we tend to only act when we're really forced to. So back over to you. What do you have to tell us about the recent Hong Kong protests? <laughs> okay, so yeah, so just an update going on with uh, China and the Hong Kong protests. For those who don't know. Um, Hong Kong, uh, over a very minor bill to start out with, has escalated to protesting for fights to move to a democratic state. I don't know if I'd call it a minor bill. I mean, it was it was courts, right? Well, it was it was the mainland basically saying we that, like, can all, extradite yeah you Hong can extradite Kong to citizens. the Communist Party, right? Right to the mainland where the Communist Party has its. I would say relatively calls. though, compared to Hong Kong moving to the point where now they just want to completely separate from China, or well, like Hong form Kong, form always, their own state. Hong Kong has always disliked the mainland. There's always been a huge That's rift true. between. There's the always two. been a disagreement. But there's always been the idea that the Chinese mainland would let Hong Kong alone, as long as Hong Kong kept being the bastion of business that it is yeah and so now and now china's overstepping a little right. bit and now they're like oh crap what have we done yeah <laughs> what have what have we done what have i done well they never i don't think the the hong kong citizens ever are surprised that the communists have done this because it's a communist society like let's be honest yeah so i don't think they're surprised but they're obviously they're using it as a platform yeah they're obviously pissed off about it trying to get in the world and the world attention. knows about it yeah which exactly. is cool so continue. Yeah, and kind of, it's go. It kind of ties into the world's attention and just how people are perceiving this from a third point perspective. But uh, it has to do with the social media, the giants, Twitter and Facebook. They have suspended and removed over two hundred thousand fake social media accounts after an investigation suggested that these accounts were part of a network of fake accounts connected to the Chinese government. Uh, well, no surprises there. There you go. A large number of these accounts were being used in a campaign to attempt to weaken support for the Hong Kong protests by acting as Hong Kong citizens speaking against the protesting citizens. And like Twitter and Facebook both released examples of this. And this is basically like this fake account, you know, being organized from, you know, mainland China is saying like, oh, you know, like from the perspective of a Hong Kong person, they're like, you know, all these people doing these protests, like they're vile and they're bad people and we don't want them and we want them out of Hong Kong, like that kind of stuff, right? Where yeah, showing like, that Hong Kong, this is the actual It's like Hong Kong pretending believes. to be a citizen yeah, and then right. it makes it look like, like you said, yeah. like it makes it look like actual Hong Kong is like, we don't want anything to do with this. 
And so it just kind of skews the whole perspective and that, makes people confused, right? That the people right? Prote- protesting are just these these crazy radicals that are just in the minority. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and the, the interesting thing about that is, is that China doesn't allow Facebook or Twitter in, like, internet connections inside mainland China, but Hong Kong does. Okay. So... That's the thing is it's like nobody would expect, you know, a Chinese citizen to be voicing this stuff. So it even more emphasizes the fact that, oh, these are the Hong Kong people talking. Nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition. Until, hello. Nobody expects the Chinese Communist Party. The Chinese Communist Party. (laughs) (laughs) Until they're on your Facebook. Our chief chief weapon is Twitter. Mean words on Twitter. It's on Twitter. Yeah. And then another thing tying into that is Twitter has also stated that it'll stop allowing advertising from state-controlled media to appear on its site, which is a really big step up because all the other social media platforms, including YouTube, which is a huge site for advertisements, um, they their policies are they treat like a state-controlled media source as another user, right? So essentially, Twitter's saying, okay, if there's some media outlet that's completely like directly tied to a government, and this government's trying to push a certain value, so like the Chinese government putting up ads on Twitter, like trying to shut down the protests in Hong Kong, Twitter's not about it anymore. Right? Well, it really does make it seem like the Chinese are just a bunch of bullies. And yeah. it really advances the Hong Kong protests. Like it really kind of skews everything now that Twitter is pointing this yeah. out, and Twitter's the one that tipped Facebook about it, and now Facebook's on it too. So like it's coming up in the news, right? And once again, China's seeming like the bully. Right, which they are. Let's not. And that's what they're. That's what they're being, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And just the way they're handling all this, and the fact that they got caught red-handed, like trying to undermine like Hong Kong, and you know the movement they're trying to make, it it makes them look not too good. But we shouldn't be. Again, I keep saying this about China all the time. We should not be surprised. I mean, this is a communist party. This is what they do. That's true. I mean, all throughout history, it has all been about perception. And showing strength and unity no matter what. That's the Communist Party. It is yeah. not like they're, another they're Western doing, nation. They're doing what we would expect. Yes. Yeah, and what they've done in the past. Like this is no this is no different than what Mao did um years years ago. Yeah. Or what Dang did after Tiananmen Square. This is this isn't different. Of course. And that's the thing is it's like you know, you expect China to do this, but it also for people that don't know much about China's history, people that don't really make that correlation, like you always say, China's not a Western society. Right. And sometimes, you know, we kind of make the mistake and assume they are. So the fact that we're able to separate them even more is just a bigger win for not only Hong Kong, but just democracy, free speech, um, just expression, right? Yeah, and they've done it. The Chinese government has done an excellent job throwing their face behind products and since chinese products have become so pervasive and chinese culture has also become extremely pervasive and highly sought after by many western companies we tend to look at the chinese the urban specifically urban yeah chinese kind of young adult that's who we look at. Well, that's and what that they, that's is what that's they what they want. That's what they want to show. Yeah. Right. Because those people have actually they're selling an image. Right. And those people have actually come a long way. Like the middle class has grown significantly in this in the cities. This is all in cities. Not about to talk to the, about the rural area, which they're just, they might sure. not have straight yeah. up electricity and running water. Exactly. So this is all about the cities. And so we kind of have this kind of glossy view of everything. It's really not. That's not. It it really is promoted by the Chinese 
communist state. And that's what they want you to see. They want you to see that. They don't want you to see the fact that there are people living in abject poverty. They don't want you to see that there are people that actually really disagree with their policies. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't want you to see that they're imprisoning uh, the Uyghurs, the uh, Muslim majority. They don't want you to see that they've kidnapped the Panchen Lama of the Tibetan faith. They don't want you to see that stuff. That's bad. Well, yeah. I mean, it's like it's any other marketing campaign. Like you just want you want to right. promote an image, right. and you want people to idealize that image, right? Which is very different from the Western Western societies. Because let's say, so like Trump, because Ping Xi Jinping does this, markets is a part of the marketing force. Let's say Donald Trump markets America as being great. Well, we have journalism and other institutions that. Sometimes they're biased, sometimes they're not, but they have conflicting viewpoints and provide a split narrative. China doesn't have that. There is one view, and it's the state. And And the state sponsors the the TV, the state sponsors all the media sources, and it's whatever they want to show. Exactly. So at least makes them dangerous. We still have, I mean, we have Fox, as as weird as people, as I said, we have Fox and we have CNN and MSNBC, and they're both. They can both be seen as as they can obviously as biased, but at least it's split viewpoints, kind of combating each other. That's the balance of mm-hmm. balance of power, the balance of of democracy, not the single party rule of China and all it wants to promote. Exactly. So we yeah. we do fail to we fail to see that a lot. Yeah, but that's the thing is it's like I I think you know just coming off this story is that social media, at least Twitter for the most part, because Twitter is the one that's really making these moves, uh, is taking a step in the right direction. Right. And I mean, they'll never be able to completely remove manipulation and completely remove, you know, just hindrances of free speech um, from their platforms. But the fact that Twitter's able to call uh, China out on their bullshit and, you know, try to make moves towards promoting, you know, the qualities of democracy like a good American company would. (laughs) I think it's great. I think it's actually a really good move. And even though that, this is all most likely a result of all the pressure that social media outlets were under after, um, you know, Russia was investigated for interfering with the 2016 election. Um, whether they did or not, and I mean, there's conclusions. Oh, they did. They, they, they did. did. There's I, I agree they did. They did. Yeah. Um, the extent of which is pretty damn minor, but they did. They still, yeah. yeah. They did. And like, you know, people can debate that all day, but it, it looks like, it appears. Yeah, it's pretty, conclusions I'm, say yeah. they did. Yeah, they did. And that's why all these social media, you know, platforms are under pressure and it's like how can you let a state manipulate um the system but it, i mean other, you're other trying to be parts a, of the platform right yeah you're trying to be a free provider for information yeah and not well, trying to seem a like balance. a publisher it's a tough it's a tough but you also don't want to you don't want to oppress you don't want to manipulate so i think twitter's taking a step in the right direction and it, it would be interesting to see if this continues in the future where especially with our elections coming up where p where social media i mean there's no perfect way to do it but they're able to like stop people from you know spilling out bullshit it's the best word for it. <laughs> yeah it's the best it's, word for it hey but that's freedom of speech man you have the right to say dumb shit that's true so i mean you have that right I guess i'm not so. gonna stop you from saying stupid stuff yeah well so. i guess according to twitter as long as it's not the government saying stupid stuff the government it's a little bit different it's a little there bit different go. when you have state-sponsored stupidity but yeah social media good doing doing good guys stuff we sometimes yeah maybe. sometimes sometimes maybe yeah sometimes it's kind of cool all right, um, I think we're rolling right into 
you wanted to talk about the secret life of pets, right? Dude, I do, man. I'm very I really interested. Do. I have no idea what so you're going to talk about. I was I was typing this podcast out, and I was watching the Secret Lights Secret Life of Pets two, and it's an it's it's uh, I'm sure people have hopefully seen the first one. It's a pretty cute. It. It's a cute movie. Pretty harmless. Animated about dogs and cats and the various adventures they get into when they are when their parents aren't at home at home or their owners not really their parents their owners aren't at home and what sparked me to start talking about this is I then read an article while I was watching this movie in the New York Times by Kim Brooks and the article said we have ruined childhood I was like that's really interesting. And I'm kind of interested in that subject. So I start reading. According to the psychologist Peter Gray, and this is in, in quotes, children today are more depressed than they were during the Great Depression and more anxious than they were at the height of the Cold War. A 2019, a 2019 study published in the Journal of Abnormal Psychology found between 2009 and 2017 rates of depression rose by more than 60% among those ages 14 to 17 and 47% among those ages 12 to 13. This isn't just a matter of increased diagnosis. The number of children and teenagers who have who were seen in emergency rooms with suicidal thoughts or having attempted suicide between 20, uh, 2007 and 2015 have doubled. But I've come to believe that the problem with children's mental and emotional health are caused not by a single change in a kid's environment, which by a fundamental shift in the way we view children and child rearing, and the way this shift has transformed our schools, our neighborhood, and our relationships, and with one another in our communities. <coughs> Interesting. So, what this, what this, and I, I, I really do, I do, I, I agree with this. There is a fundamental change with how we're teaching children. And I've talked about this in the past in other podcasts, but I want to talk about where, what kind of the old and ancients have to say about this. And it kind of comes up in the secret life of pets. So I think one of the reasons that children are having these issues is we're teaching children to fear the unknown. And you should – don't get me wrong. You should be afraid of the unknown. That's why it's the unknown. Oh, it's human nature too. But you shouldn't be – there shouldn't be an unhealthy fear and you shouldn't be terrified to the fact of base, basically immobileness. That you are so terrified that – you get, I mean, you get anxious, suicidal thoughts, because the world, don't get me wrong, the world is terrifying. You turn on your TV and you see all the evil things that humans are doing to each other and all the crazy stuff that's happening in the world. And life is hard as, as, hard as shit, all right? We're, that, we're in the workforce. Life is hard. Mm-hmm. And it will beat you to, in the, in the quotes of Rocky Balboa, it will beat you to your knees and keep you there if you let it. And it will. But teaching kids that it's the world's fault and not yours is unhealthy. It's it's like paving you're paving the road for the child, not preparing the child for the road. Yeah. Where you should You've be talked about this before. Right. Where you know, part of parenting and part of raising a child is preparing them, you know, to go out on their own and accomplish whatever goals they might have. And seize opportunities. And be confident enough to yeah. Right. Seize and I opportunities think this and is, be their person. And I need to talk to people that are older than me, but I seem to be finding kids, even when I was in high school, that had their entire lives planned. Like they knew where they were going to college. They knew that where they were going to get 
um, or what degree they were going to get, where their first job would be, how much money they'd be making, where they were going to live, when they were going to have kids, when they were going to get married, to yeah. the point of like, I mean, I, I to think the there's... point of like, the, what ring my husband's going to buy me, like. And I think that's unhealthy because the minute that that gets derailed and you've taught yourself this idea that this is how your life's going to be and you've told yourself that for years, the minute life comes in and sweeps you off your feet essentially, what are you, what are you left with? I mean the pieces of this thought that you believe that you could achieve and then you realize that that thought is incredibly difficult that the pursuit of perfection is almost damn near impossible. Yeah. That really you should be looking to prepare yourself and seize every opportunity. I'm not saying you shouldn't have a direction with it, but that direction may come in multiple opportunities that haven't presented themselves to to you yet. But I mean there I mean I think there's people like that, you know, regardless of generation, regardless of, you know, standpoint in life. Like there's always planners, right? And people that take it to the next level. Like, like you said, I I know a bunch of people that are like that that want to plan everything out. But do you think it's becoming out. more common? Possibly. I don't. Yeah. I can't say. Yeah, I'd have I to. Say. I need to look at that more. That's the thing. I they need to talk to some more people. Have about to do that. a study or something like yeah. that. But I I could see it becoming more common. Um, and of course the whole problem is is like the problem with being an extreme planner is yeah once plans go awry and everything gets messed up, it all depends on how you handle the result. Right. And so there's actually. The ancients and the old teachers have actually attempted to teach us um, what what to do, and I I went to I was in Prague for three months and at the near Saint Vitus, which is their big cathedral on a hill, there is a basilica called Saint George's, and Saint George is not only famous for being a a Catholic, of course, but he's famous for the story of saint george and the dragon and if you haven't heard the story i'm sure you you know the basic basic concept but it was created in kind of the 1500s and i mean it's it's an old story and what it what it's about is about a a knight who goes out ventures out into the unknown far away from home to defeat a dragon who is protecting a princess and i mean it's the story of of old it is a reoccurring theme. It's basically yeah. Shrek. Everyone's so heard, everyone's heard of it. Everyone's yeah. heard it, and no one knows like where it comes from. And this is kind of where it comes from. And so this is what the Secret Life of Pets Two is. Okay, I was it is essentially how this all ties yeah. In. yeah. And so I start watching. I start watching the Secret Life of Pets Two, and I'll kind of go over a little bit of the plot. But there's a dog named Max, and he is perfectly content with his life. He lives in New York City. He is perfectly happy and then his owners have a child and suddenly that child is max's great his next like fascination he is obsessed with kind of protecting this child and he starts to see dangers in the world that he didn't see before like suddenly he goes on walks and he sees all the dangers yeah, sounds like parenting dude. right it seems he starts to see all the dangers how terrifying the world actually is and he starts to get anxiety um, he has to be taken to like a psychological behavioral vet um, who are also treating a lot of these pets that have anxiety and stress he gets like a little cone on him and they take him he doesn't get any better and they take him to a farm and they drop him off in the the farm i think the owners are going to not not the dog farm he's not he's not in the dog in that kind of farm (laughs) not that kind of (laughs) that kind of farm that's sad farm oh my gosh Uh, (laughs) he's 
He's taken to a farm in which I think his parents were like related to a guy who owns this like property, and it's a classic like barnyard farm. You have your cows and your pigs and your roosters, and and so he's dropped off in this farm and he starts looking around and he starts to realize that the farm is absolutely terrifying, right? Because there's so many sounds he's never heard, and it's the unknown. It's, it represents kind of the unknown. Okay. And the cows are mean to him, and the pigs are mean to him, and there is a turkey that chases him around, and it's completely terrifying. But there's this one authority figure, and that is this – I think it's a – it might be a Border Collie or a Australian Shepherd named Rooster. I think it's actually – he's voiced by Harrison Ford. Oh, I'll nice. have to look that up. And it's – and when, when, Rooster, when Rooster talks, that's it. Everyone listens, period. And he's the, like this epitome male classical masculine figure. Not not too much emotion, but still capable of emotion and capable of aggression sure. and very commanding and decisive of yeah. what's, what he wants to do. Big Daddy Rooster. He's a Big Daddy Rooster. And so Max commits a mistake in which he lets sheep out of a pen and one sheep kind of goes missing. And Rooster says, all right, you, well, you made a mistake. You're going to come fix it. And Max is like, well, no, like I don't, I don't want to venture off into the woods, which is kind of venturing off again into an unknown scary place for Max. And Rooster's like, no, you're, you're going to face your fear. You're, whether you like it or not, I'm going to make you face your fear. And through a, a couple of trials, Max faces his fear and becomes kind of the dog that he always thought he could be and becomes stronger. And not only can he, can he face the events that Rooster put, put forth, he realized that those events weren't going to kill him. And so suddenly now he can go and actually face other events in his life. And he can start interacting with this kid better. And even there's a scene where they're at night and the kid's in this playpen. And Rooster comes up and he's like, well, why is there – why is that – what is that child doing? And Max is like, oh, well, he's in his pen because we don't want him to wander off. Like, it's really dangerous. And he's like, well, he should go and experience the world. And he's like, do you know how many times it took me to realize that, like, the shock fence was bad? And Max is like, well, I don't, I don't know how many. He's like, once. It shocked me. And then I stopped. So – Throughout this entire throughout this entire movie, and what I'm truly trying to get at is there is actually a bl- blueprint with how we avoid this, and we're doing it wrong. People back in the 1500s were telling us how we should avoid and how we should interact with the world. That that prize, whether it be women, really, it's really like more of like money and success and power and what you want to be. Whatever you want is. Right? Is you will have to defeat a dragon, quote unquote. I'm using some I'm using some air quotes for that. And the dragon represents the, kind of the chaos that you're going to have to face in order to achieve that prize. And how much it's actually better to be the person who can achieve the prize than actually already have it. Which is why I, I find that it's that it, you're in a better boat if you know how to gain wealth and get power than if you just have it. As in, like if you're born with it. I think there's a lot more to be said in a person. Who well, I knows think everyone who, agrees with that. Yeah. Uh, but I th- also think it's more of a biological level. I think there's something innate about, especially I think, and I, I, I'm paraphrasing a little bit of Jonathan Haidt and a little bit of um, Peterson, that there's a biological level to this, that females also want a man who knows how to, get power and provide than one that already is just born into it. Because once that power goes away, what's that what's that kid left with? Nothing. He has no idea how to get this power back. He's got nothing. 
nice where clues. if if this guy goes for the ultimate gift and doesn't achieve it, he can try again. And so what we seem to be doing in our society is what Max was doing in the beginning of this movie, which is overparenting um, and realizing and not and realizing how dangerous the world is and hyper analyzing that and just believing that danger is all around us and trying to protect our kids from that. And by protecting our kids from that, we are causing massive amounts of damage because they are when a problem is presented in their life, they have no idea how to how to solve it. When chaos and the dragon finally appear at their front doorstep, they run away. And that's not what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to go out there and, and face it. Yeah. I see where you're coming from. Yeah. So I thought it was I thought it was extremely I thought it was very I thought it was really powerful. Secret Life of yeah, Secret I'm Life actually, of Pets too. I'm I thought very, it was very I'm powerful. Very impressed how deep that movie is. Yeah, and you don't, you, you really don't realize. Like it. a kids movie like that wouldn't be as mature and talking about as much mature themes as that did, uh, that did. But that's, that's well, think cool. of think of the main theme of Toy Story. Right, Woody is content with his, with his life, and he likes everything how it is, and he's content with Andy, and everything gets. Everything what happens? Changes. He falls out of a car or and something. Then he freaks out. He doesn't he get like lost? Well, he gets lost with Buzz. He gets lost with Buzz, and Buzz and then represents he has to, like work out his problems with right, Buzz. Yeah. Right, and Buzz represents this adventurous person and hero who's willing to take upon any danger presented, and he's admired because of that. Yeah. And Woody is this kind of meek hero who finally learns to face his fears, and then gets back and to his ultimate friends. goal. Which is Andy. Well, make friends, right? Make yeah. friends. Friendship. But the larger story is this classic story of George and the Dragon. I mean, it re- it really is. Yeah. And so it it's worthwhile kind of looking back at our at our at the ancients and what what they tell us what we should be doing. And I think we're doing it wrong. And I'm, I, I definitely I I'm gonna I think I'm gonna write a little bit more about this. I'm I'm quite fascinated, and it's definitely something that influences our generation greatly because mm-hmm. suicide rates and depression rates are rising. And they are. Yeah. there's got to be a reason beyond that doesn't at least doesn't call for overprotection that more. It seems to be a negative feedback loop, which says yeah. kids are anxious and depressed. Therefore, we should protect Let's them, protect more. them more. And, right. and it, that just keeps it keeps turning. Yeah. Then it, kids get more anxious and depressed. And we're like, oh, well, it's obviously the world. We should protect them more. Yeah. So it's dangerous. I, I no, see it's extremely you dangerous. It, it would be interesting to look into. Yeah. Just like how just dynamics of parenting have changed i don't know how you would ever get the data on that but it would be interesting to see like if that's the case where it's you know as you know this new generation has been growing up parents are overprotective parents are scared for their kids to you know learn on their own and learn through experience um and let their kids just be kids yeah well i mean it's just sometimes kids don't even want to be kids anymore dude like, you know, you see little kids now, all of them. I mean, of course, you're going to mock your parents, right? First and foremost. <laughs> First and foremost. Yeah. So, of course, like all these kids just like want to be on their phones. And, and that's social wanna, media. That's wanna a problem. want to act a certain way. And like, you know, sk- I feel like they skip or this is a very general statement, so it might not apply to everybody. But I feel like some people definitely skip that stage in childhood where all you have is like the people around you. And, you know, your sense of curiosity and your sense of adventure, well, right? Because an, media. An, innocent, an innocent child has the ability to go into the woods 
and, you know, make up stories and go play in the woods and, you know, have fun with, you know, just their imagination. Yeah, and it's it's a problem because social media and video games are competing for that time. Exactly. Obviously, and I'm gonna I'm gonna have to cut the conversation a little bit short because we're because we could we could go into this all night. Yeah, to be honest we, with we you. could talk about this. And for I'm gonna a long I'm gonna time. write a little bit more about this and really kind of go into it, which is I mean it's something that's really influencing our generation. So I think it's I think it's an incredibly fruitful line of reasoning to realize to try and figure out why this is happening and how we can possibly seek yeah. to fix it. And I think one of the ways we need to fix it is kind of looking back of what generations before us did to, to fix this and, pre- and prepare their children yeah. for the road. Use examples from the past. Yeah, to explain the it's explain true. history repeats itself. Yeah. Well, ladies saying. ladies and gentlemen, uh, go watch Secret Life Pets 2 because apparently it's pretty good. Yeah, I thought, all right, it wasn't that great of a movie, but uh, like I thought the message was pretty profound. Okay, <laughs> go go watch it for the message, not the actual yeah, movie. Yeah, I, I think watching it for the message I think is pretty profound. And I okay. think it would be a great movie to show to kids. All I right. really do. Everybody show your kids. Everyone show your kids right now. And it's, I mean, there's some funny parts that I that I caught myself laughing at. So okay, okay. It was that's cute. promising from a kid's movie. Yeah, I thought it was, and the, but I liked the first one better. The first one was pretty good. Now, now I have to go back and analyze the first movie if they both kind of had the oh, same. Oh no, thing. yeah, maybe the first yeah. movie's got some stuff in it too, man. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to look at that. So moving moving on, uh, I wanted to to go into something to really quick, and this is another one of those moments when, you know, you're. You're down on your luck. You're sad. You know, you're just grinding through your job. I'm waking up at 5.30, going to my job, at getting there at 7, working until 4.30. And, you know, you just, you need a little bit of light in your life. And, boy, let me tell you what, the Internet provides. Uh It provides. So, according to the Time magazine, the sculpture called Quasi, and I'm not going to show you this yet. Get ready. Yes, that's Victor Hugo's 1831 novel, The Hunchback of Notre Dame reference. And it's hand-eye work of Melbourne-based artist Ronnie Van Hout, who sculptured sculptured, sculpted the 400-kilogram work of art with polyester and resin, was installed, basically was installed by a helicopter in the city of Gallery in Wellington on Monday. Parker, it's a hand. With the face, it's a hand with the face. Yeah, so I'm gonna I'm gonna show you this picture of Quasi. Are you ready? I guess so. <laughs> oh my god! All right, everyone, go look up face hand sculpture. On, it's on incredible. Google. Holy cow! I was it's not expecting incredible. that. Incredible. On a building. All right, cool. On a building. It's and so people are people are losing their minds over this. Well, all right. First off, they're losing their mind in two ways. The town residents are losing their minds because they're like, "This is insane." Yeah, <laughs> and people on Twitter, people on Twitter and Facebook are losing their mind because they're just like, "Oh, the the all seeing hand, uh, all <laughs> hail the hand that sees all." Oh, no. <laughs> so then they're like, "The hand that the hand that it actually moves when you're not looking at oh, it." Oh my god! Yeah, it just it it spins as you walk past it. Yeah. So that's awesome. Turns out. City officials intended for it to live out its rooftop residency for up to three years. Wow. Three who, years. Who approved of this? That's got to be some like, really like into weird art city officials, man. <laughs> and I mean, it is Residency fun. up yeah, to three years uh, or for as long as it likes. Because really, who wants to tell the hand the what to hand do? What to do. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you can only be up here for three years. No. 
And it just stares at you. And like, then oh, he just stares back. And I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it. <laughs> the all see. That's so hand. great. Everybody, go look up um, face hand. Yeah, just look up. Just look up face hand or quasi the face hand. Um, one of the one of those two will definitely get you a, get just, a good chuckle. It'll brighten your day. No, it, it really will. And I, God, I can't believe it was a helicopter up there. Who, who, someone needs to lose their job. I know. That. Somebody will let that happen. Maybe That's it'll just so become, great. it could just become a tourist destination. I know. Everyone wants to go Honest, see the all-seeing hand. It's kind of smart. Everyone's like, oh my God, the all-seeing hand. The all-seeing hand. And then so, that town gets a bunch of money. Which is always, which is always nice. Capitalism. The all-seeing hand provides. The all-seeing hand provides money. <laughs> all right. So what do you got for us? Um... All right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna take it back to good old social media. No, we're back. Since I love talking about social media so much, um, so this is this is a fun piece because it it's about Facebook taking a step in the right direction? Question mark, oh, or are God. they? Or are they? Dun, 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 dun. Dude, it's super suspenseful. All right, so this is a new thing. Facebook is rolling out a new feature in user settings called off Facebook activity. That's what like the section of the settings is called. This new feature will allow users to see all the websites, apps, and businesses that send Facebook information about themselves and opt and allow users to opt to prevent Facebook from using this data from now on. So an example of this is you open up your Facebook settings, you click on off Facebook activity, and it shows a list of just apps and businesses that essentially like for an example, a business, say you go into like a hair salon, right? And then that hair salon will tell Facebook, hey, this person went and got a haircut at this hair salon. And like that, that Facebook takes data about that. Or say you get flight tickets, right? It can curb like advertising then too. Exactly. Right. That's the whole point right. of it. It's all about ads, right? Right. So that's why they do it. And now Facebook's letting you see who's sending Facebook this extra data of your interactions off Facebook. Doesn't seem like a bad idea. Yeah. So this goes two ways, right? Okay. So the first. You're right. Facebook appears to be taking a step in the right direction because, you know, they've been under fire from Congress and the public for right. a very long time now because everyone is not happy with how Facebook's handling privacy and data and not telling people stuff and even not being transparent. signed up for it. Even though everyone clicked, you know, create yeah. account. And, and I agree. Up, yeah. <laughs> so Whatever. you already agreed to it. Um, but a tool that shows users to uh, that allows users to see what extra data Facebook is getting about you from just off Facebook interactions with the internet um, is transparency that people are asking for, right? People want to know Facebook, what kind of data do you have about me? Um, how are you using that data? And this is a great example of it. It's like Facebook's like, all right, here's a tool where you can see, okay, so these websites, these apps tell me that you like this activity, you did this thing, and that's how I give ads to you, right? The second thing is why this is all a big win-win for Facebook is this is a great way for Facebook to appease the public. That's well, a good PR campaign. While not yeah. damaging profits. I agree. Yeah. And that's the thing. But the thing is, is like you would think, okay, if Facebook puts this up here and lets everyone look at it and then allows users to say, oh, I don't want this to happen anymore. Stop making this happen. You would think their profits would go down because they would have less businesses feeding them ad like you know ad information that's ad true. data that's true. and then advertisers are going to be like okay we're not getting we can't tailor fit the we ads can't anymore. we can't tailor fit to the people we want to fit anymore what the heck facebook yeah so the way um the way that facebook is like going to play this like the way that they're going to make this work in their favor 
is chances are most users will either decide that they want a more personalized experience so they won't opt out of it because it'll be like okay these websites or these sites these apps these businesses that i go to all the time tell facebook i go to them and so now facebook will give me ads that actually appeal to me and aren't going to be random ads that i'm not going to care about um or not even look at the feature once it's released globally uh, which yeah, basically means like, me. <laughs> which basically means like most people aren't going to go settings, yeah. other, advanced, off Facebook it's activity. Too right? much work for some people. Because it's too much of, work for me. I'm not going to do. That's it. what I'm saying. Most people, like you, don't have don't have the time or well, aren't willing to take the I, extra yeah, steps. Yeah, I do have the time. Or just I'm don't just care. Don't, I just don't care. <laughs> exactly. So I'm sure Facebook's banking on that, right? Because yeah, yeah. there's a select few of us, me included, that goes every app. Every phone, every device I have, I go through all the settings. Do you have a and I turn off everything. I remember I remember going to the house and I saw a couple of tinfoil hats up on your up on your dresser. Do you wear those kind of frequently? Unrelated. <laughs> Unrelated. Um and then on top of that, Facebook admits that a lot of the data collected through this specific method of asking these external sites to give it more information creates target markets that are so small that they hardly have an effect on how advertising agencies operate on Facebook. So this is a great win-win for Facebook because Facebook's like, hey, guys, look, we're showing you your data, and it's transparent, and Facebook's the nice guy now. But at the same time, they don't use it that much anyway, so it's not even going to affect their ad revenue. Yeah, so that's it's, true. It's, it's, it's Facebook you know, figuring smart out idea. the perfect yeah, way. Yeah, it's very smart because they're figuring yeah. out the perfect way to appease everyone and still keep their money. Hey, so, which is, that's, yeah, that's yeah. smart. That's so really there you smart. go. If you guys want to see um, what shady businesses you go to, tell Facebook when you go and buy stuff from that store and then want to go yell at them, uh, hopefully this feature will be rolling out in the next couple of months. I think it's in Ireland right now. Um, so they're just like testing it. Okay. Um, but it should be rolling out globally soon. Huh. Yeah. So I'm sure you won't see it. But the second it's out, I'm turning it off. <laughs> <laughs> I, I still won't see it. As I do with everything. <laughs> nice. All right, Nate, what do you got? Well, just to kind of wrap up the couple shows with these these last two. According to CNN, get ready for this one. Ohio, Ohio State has filed an application to trademark. Okay, so what do you think Ohio State's going to trademark? Um, to the Buckeyes, right? No. What do you think Ohio State's going to trademark? No, that's what I'm saying. Ohio State's the Buckeyes, right? right? So they're not doing that. So what are they going to trademark? They're not trademark anything about their mascot. Nothing about the Buckeyes. Are they going to trademark the color of red that they use? No. Are they going to trademark the state of Ohio? <laughs> you can't trademark the state of Ohio. <laughs> Nobody else could ever say Ohio ever again. You have to say Ohio State or <laughs> the Ohio State. The Ohio State. That's right. They're what are they trademarking? The. What? Yeah. Oh, because, yeah, they say, oh, it's not Ohio State, it's the Ohio State. But they're trademarking the word the. And this Think is, about th that. Is this actually happening? Yes. They've filed. They've really done this. So, like. So th are, they can't be the first person to file a trademark on the. I'm not sure. I I need to look that up. But no one. All right. Obviously, no one expects this to go through. Yeah. Because you can't trademark the word the. Well, you realize that somebody at App State was, you know, just so bored that they were willing to pump money into submitting a trademark application, right? So, according to Josh Gerben, who is a trademark lawyer, the application has issues out the gate. I mean, of course, it's the word the. <laughs> In order for a trademark to be registered, 
for a brand of clothing, the trademark must be used in a trademark fashion. The word the is not used in a trademark fashion. I know. <laughs> in other words, it has to be used on tagging or labeling for the products. In this case, just putting the word the on the front of a hat. <laughs> that would be funny. Because that's what it is, right? That's, that's what it is. That's if you trademark the word the, the brand, right? for Ohio State, you could have a hat that just says the, and it's supposed to mean Ohio State, which it obviously Actually, doesn't. Actually, no, but that could kind of work, though. Like, if the hat was the right colors and they somehow stuck the Ohio State logo into the... But see, you'd have to trademark. It would be a great joke. But then you're trademarking colors and font sizes. You're not actually trademarking the word the. Like, I can write. Well, I can, can write have multiple trademarks, in, right? In 1863, the Ohio State Delta River Valley. And Ohio State, the university, isn't going to come after me and be like, you said the Ohio State. That's us. Plagiarism. <laughs> hey, stop it. <laughs> no, that's not. You can't. That's not how this works. So. I, there has to be something very – it's not just trademarking words unless they're really unique. They have to be really unique words. It's trademarking font sizes, logos, oh. and something very specific. So like the Dairy the dairy Queen, the little the little whip they do at the top of their um, ice cream, Yeah, trademarked. Really? Dead serious, yep. That's cool. Trademarked. That's really cool. So, I mean, this was like when somebody was trying to trademark thumbs up. Claiming that, no yeah, yeah, that their grandfather or great grandfather invented, invented thumbs up. Thumbs up. <laughs> <laughs> they tried to trademark that. <laughs> so it's it, it's really funny. And so the university, so ready for this? Univer, the University of Michigan has been Ohio State's kind of rival for a very long time. Yeah. And they came out and they said they were going to then trademark the word of. <laughs> so the University of Michigan, uh, yeah. they were going to trademark <laughs> the, the word trademark. the word of. That's awesome. So, but what what this what this what this expert kind of in trademark lawyer says is like it has to do something with Ohio State and the word the when I when I say like the chicken I'm not like oh the you know what that means Ohio the State Ohio chicken. State chicken <laughs> the chicken that specifically lives in Ohio State <laughs> so it's 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 quite oh, comical God. it's quite comical but I think That's Ohio awesome. State's gonna have to get a little bit more creative. Dude, people are just, uh, dude. Somebody at Ohio State just having fun. They're just yeah, like, what, what stupid thing can I do today to waste time? Or they're really serious about this, and in that case, they should probably not be in a job. Yeah, then that person should get fired. So what do you what do you got for us today to wrap everything up? All right, to wrap everything up, um, you know, it's the biggest the biggest thing of the summer. Everyone's talking about it. Everyone's also going to it. Based on like the two million people that said they were interested, <laughs> that doesn't mean everyone's the going. Though. Storm Area Fifty One, that can't stop us all event. Yes, if not, we know to run. Get hype! Guess what? What? It's only a month away. Ooh, I forgot. September twentieth, dude. September and it's 20th. August twentieth today. One more month. One more month until and it's we happening, see, man. Until we see dumb aliens, dude. We're about to find the aliens. We're about man. to find dumb aliens. I can't wait a whole month. I don't know if I'm if I'm gonna you make go it, there right man. now, dude. Honestly, yeah, I'll just get a head start. <laughs> just get a head start. <laughs> just just start running at it myself. So when they find all the aliens, you've already seen it. Yeah. You're like the hipster. It's like, dude, I was already here before already it was here, cool. Man. Come on, guys. Before it was cool. All right, but to give to give a little update on, I like to call it, the biggest of Facebook event in history. Yeah, this is really, this is. I'm sure, it might be, to be honest. For it's the got seriousness? like a million point two, like people going, and like two point something million interested. I, that's got to be like. I the just love the fact. Event. I love the fact that that guy who made it was actually like forced by the U.S. military to go on national television telling people that 
you shouldn't do this. Yeah, no, I that, that's that's, that's what I'm talking about. Is yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Okay, Maddie Roberts, the guy that made the event. Okay, all right. So ABC 15 Arizona interviewed him, um, and did like a little piece about him and gave like some more updates about the event and about like what he's gone through ever since making this event. Um, and he and he says he says this is it was a joke. Yeah, he, yeah. He literally Clearly like a joke. verbatim he says like I was playing video games and I like made it as a joke. And like now it's not a joke anymore. <laughs> it's not a joke. So so he Roberts, the the guy that made the event, talked about a couple of things. And one of the things he talked about was the FBI coming to his house and talk <laughs> the FBI showed up at his mom's house and had to like, you know, get in contact with him and talk to him to like evaluate him as a threat. Because <laughs> it's a highly classified area. Uh, no, and That's, he but oh but God. he when he talked about it, he said, quote uh, they were super cool and just wanted to make sure that I wasn't an actual terrorist making pipe bombs in the living room. <laughs> it's just it's the FBI doing their job. They're just, just doing like, what the FBI hey, does. we know that this is not this is a joke, but just 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 in to case. be sure, just in case that one percent we we need to know. <laughs> and then he also admitted he also admitted that he made the event as a joke, like I said. So he like publicly admits it everywhere, right? And like you said, he had to you know say it in front of everybody. Yeah. Um, and is currently trying to use the giant facebook event to propose a safer alternative <laughs> so his new campaign is about all right guys <laughs> instead of millions of us going to our death can we yeah, can we try something that's and he says it's safer right a fun safe alternative to uh the current event so right now he's organizing and he's trying to host what he's calling the Area 51 Festival. Yes. Yeah, dude. This is what I hoped it would turn into, I know. to be honest. And this is what's happening. He said it's going to be free of charge, and it's going to be in the middle of, like, the Nevada desert, right? So he's just going to throw I bet this. But it's also sponsored this, by the U.S. government. I don't know, dude. I bet that'd it be pretty is, hype. man. No, I bet pretty it hype. is. But uh, he's hoping to make, the, to make an event that is, and he, he's, quotes, positive, enjoyable, safe, and profitable for the rural area of Nevada. That will continue to happen every year for years to come. That's amazing. Can you imagine dude. an annual Area 51 festival? Can you imagine just playing video games, typing that up one day, and it's just and, and now the next it's thing everywhere. you know it, you're and on now you're organizing television. a festival, and now you're famous. Oh my god, it's so cool! But I, I, mean, I remember, I remember talking about this that that was my hope. I was hoping that a ton of people would go down there, and it would just be like one big hangout, and everyone just hangs out. Yeah. That's exactly That's how he I puts it. Hoping. He's yeah. like, I just want all these cool people to just hang out. Yeah, which is actually kind of cool because every honestly, the people that are willing to spend money on a plane ticket right. to fly out to Nevada for a fake Storm Area Fifty One thing, you, you got to be Yo, at I'm least sure a the, little I'm, fun. I'm sure the government has all of those. All the plane tickets, dude. They're going to be watching. I bet they know everyone who's planning on coming. Yeah. Oh, my God. But, dude, you never know. I mean, so 30 days from now, we're going to see how how this festival goes down. It might be a party. It might be planned very terribly because it's planned by a guy that's never planned a festival. I before. bet it's planned by the U.S. government. I get if it's free for everyone. I bet it's well. Planned no, he, by the government. he this guy, uh, Maddie, he's the one that's organizing it. No, no. But do you think he has the money to? Where's the money come from? I don't know. I'm I assuming bet it's the government, dude. Dude, I bet it is. Who knows? Maybe this is government Woodstock. Government Woodstock. Yeah. Okay. Bold. <laughs> Bold. <laughs> As in, like, you know, Woodstock. Well, what year was it? Was it '69? Woodstock '69, where it was like people died. And oh uh, yeah, there was that Woodstock. That's what I'm saying. Like, that's what I'm a little worried about this because it's just like a kid plan. I hope he has some like event planners figuring dude, this I stuff bet, out for uh, him. Dude, I bet the government has provided lots of resources. Dude, I don't know. Uh, we'll we'll see. 
Hopefully, it doesn't turn into a total mess. Hey, but at the end of the day, people are going to go have fun. Someone's going to storm, try and storm Area 51. It, obviously, let's. People have tried to do it in the not. past. They've tried to do it in the past. There's videos of them people trying to do it. Yeah. Um, and basically, just what happens is, just military police pull up and they're like, "You need to turn." <laughs> nice around. try. <laughs> and I'm sure the government has probably moved all their all their tech out. Oh, of course. Yeah. I, I honestly believe if a million people stormed Area 51, there would be no shots fired. No one would get hurt. The government would just leave. No, they wouldn't. Yeah, they would just, just leave. They would get all their personnel. They would get everything out, and it would yeah. just be a shell. Which they can do in – which I'm sure they planned oh, for. Oh, they've trained for it. They, 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 I'm sure they've been If there's anything yeah. still there. Yes, that's true. There's, if there's anything still honestly, there. Honestly, now that it's – I mean, ever since Area 51 became so visible, right. it's been visible for decades now, yeah. right? Like, I'm sure it's just a shell of a, a base. Like, they yeah, might work on a couple projects over there now, but, like – now that everyone knows where it is, there's no way in hell there's anything classified there. And they know that there's satellites all around from other governments like looking at it. Exactly. So I'm sure there's a lot of other black sites that – I mean, the U.S. government has how many bases overseas? I mean, there's Hundreds. so many black sites that they can go to. That's what I'm saying. So th- this is like their little like, hey, everyone pay attention to this one. Yeah. And don't pay attention to the cool ones. <laughs> the, the ones that actually matter. Exactly. Under, under mountains and stuff. So oh, America, yeah. hell yes, we got <laughs> we got mountain bases. That's right, we we do. So I like that. I think that was a good a good. That was a fun way to end. Yeah. I hope everyone stays safe for the air for that, and we'll be covering it. We'll be bringing to you that coverage. Oh yeah, we're definitely gonna talk about it again once uh once it rolls rolls around in the end of next month. Right, and just as a reminder, we will hopefully be dropping our entire slew of these podcasts on Sunday. Yeah, for on for those our, listening right now, yeah, which is right, zero, which is people, zero people. Guess what? The it's next time Sunday. you'll be able to hear this is the first time you'll be able to hear this. That's <laughs> true. Yeah, so we're we're trying to get everything together. We're working on editing and working on distribution and all that. Oh yeah, all that fun, fun behind the stuff, camera yeah. or behind yeah. the microphone stuff. So the real work. Su- Sunday, Sunday should be the big day. Sunday will be the big day. So hope hope to see you guys then. Yep. Hi, mom. <laughs> <laughs> that caught me off. That caught me off guard. To be honest, I was ready. To, I, was ready I was ready to close, and then all right, that was good. I like Sorry. That. All right. Well, everyone have a everyone have a good day. We will see you here hopefully on Sunday. Yeah. Take care, kids. Bye.